mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hey everybody, welcome to Marriage of Martinis. I'm Adam. Here's Danielle. Hi. Happy quarantine, everybody. Hope you guys are doing okay. <laughs> Actually, happy Easter. Oh, happy Easter. Happy Passover. And Passover. Yep. Right? Um, yeah, I'm starting to lose my mind. Uh, starting to say happy quarantine now. I don't even know what's going on. I don't know what day it is. Nobody knows. Oh, this is crazy. But well, hopefully everybody is staying safe and got you enough food for you. That's all I'm going to say about that. Mm-hmm. I just read a meme that said um, getting a time for a grocery store delivery is worse than getting fast passes at Disney. Oh, the lines too. To like to get into mm-hmm. Sam's and Wegmans and yeah, it's like trying to get on a Disney ride. Right. Forget it. I wanted to talk to some professionals about parenting right now because so many of us always are just figuring it out and always have so many questions and are we doing it right and are we traumatizing them that now it almost feels unimaginable what we are dealing with as parents, something that we have never gone through. Nobody has ever gone through this situation. Um, And there are just so many unknowns that it is making it overwhelming for all of us, myself included. And um, I had so many questions and I asked our audience um, for questions and you guys gave me some amazing questions. So we have two episodes this week. Today we are talking to Dr. Becky, who is a clinical psychologist, consultant, and parenting guidance provider. She specializes in helping people cope with anxiety and stress, improve relationship satisfaction and communication, and manage work-life pressures. We ask her all about um, dealing with disappointment right now with kids who are missing out on so much. Are, are there going to be long-term trauma effects from this? Is it okay that our household is a little bit of a shit show right now? Um And I love the answer that she gives. Um, And we talk to her a lot about homeschooling. And she gives so much wonderful insight. Whether your kid is 2 years old, 12 years old, 20 years old, I think this is a really awesome episode to listen to. You can go and visit her at drbeckyathome.com or follow her on Instagram at at drbeckyathome. Um, And I'm going to put in our uh, Friday 5 this coming Friday. If you are not signed up, go to marriageandmartinis.com. For our Friday 5, I'm going to put in a lot of the parenting breakdowns that we talk about in today's episode. And on Thursday, I had the um, pleasure of talking to Dr. Lisa Damore, who um, a lot of you may know from her books Untangled and Under Pressure. She really talks about raising teen girls, but quite honestly, there is nothing that we talk about in that episode that cannot be applied 
to teenage boys as well. And that's more of for tween and teens. Um, and she talks to us also about managing social media right now. Um, you know, how we need to talk about our kids' behavior right now with some of them who are maybe taking stuff out on us or out on social media. Um, and she guides us through a lot of really difficult terrain to navigate. So both of these episodes, I think, are so wonderful. I'm so grateful that we have the opportunity to talk to these um, amazing professionals and to share this with you. To all of you out there who are struggling right now in parenting, I see you, we see you, and we know it is not easy. You are doing just fine. Um, you, I'm sure you are doing more than fine. None of us can you know, know the right answers. We just have to do our best. So um, I hope you enjoy and um, go sign up definitely for the Friday Five on marriageandmartinis.com for more about parenting. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. And I just said to you, we have three kids home right now. We're in the thick of everything and we're trying to balance everything just like all the other parents out there who are, you know, like just figuring this all out, winging it completely as we go along. Um, and I know on your Instagram, you've been doing a lot of asking questions to your uh, audience and answering them. What have been the biggest questions that people have, that parents have had so far through this? Oh boy. Um, I feel like there have been maybe a couple themes. I think there's been a big focus on kind of just how do I manage my own anxiety and concern now that um, it feels harder and harder to kind of keep that separate from my family, even visibly or in any way. So how do I do that? Um, people feeling like their kids are having a hard time, that they're not maybe saying it, but the younger kids are having more meltdowns, a lot of sibling rivalry, even more escalated at these times. And I think parents of tweens and teens are just feeling like, I don't know how to be around my 14-year-old for this many hours and have any type of peace. So I think there's that. Um, and then I think I've also been hearing from a lot of people about how at the end of the day, with all of those things going on, there's just no time to be a married couple and feeling a little concerned about the state of their marriage. Mm -hmm. So I'd say like those are the themes that are coming up a lot. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Parenting has pretty much changed now for the last two weeks so far. And we have a lot more weeks or maybe months coming where... You know, Danielle's been a stay-at-home mom for quite some time. So ever since her kids were born, she's kind of used to being home with the kids. You know, they're, they are at school and she has activities to bring them to. I am never home more than have a nice day, goodbye, and then coming home, okay, it's almost bedtime. You know, I am not used to this. This is something that I have never experienced. So I'm sure the questions that you're receiving are, have to be from people like me who are just not used to this. And how do we navigate this? Yeah. And I think what you're pointing to also is then for right, someone like Danielle, like she's not used to having you in the kids' lives as much. So it changes your role as a mom having another parent and it changes it. I have three kids at home too. So, you know, the number of kind of configurations and playing parents off each other when you kind of had a nice rhythm down, even if it was stressful, that's a whole, you know, that's a whole new ballgame also. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you mentioned about with kids and, and anxiety and, you know, how they're manifesting it and everything. So we have kids three different ages. We have an eight-year-old, we have an 11-year-old and um, a 14-year-old. So I do notice, you know, that they're all so far handling it pretty well. Um, our middle child, I think, is having the hardest time. But um, it is hard sometimes, like, to know what is 
if they're acting out, well, is this nervousness? Is this anxiety? Or is this just a regular temper tantrum and meltdown? And I think that, the, you know, kids can't really always express exactly what they're feeling. So what should we look for that we should sort of say, okay, wait a minute, this isn't right. Maybe this is anxiety ridden and a red flag that maybe we should be talking to them. Great. So, um, so, you know, I think a lot about this phrase in general and parenting and definitely now, which is just the idea of the most generous interpretation of our child's behavior. I mean, I try to think about that a lot in my, you know, my marriage too. I think it's always a good thing, but definitely with my kids. And I think that's coming up in response to your question. So who knows? We don't know exactly, you know, what percentage of kids' reactions are, you know, would have happened a month ago, would have happened now. But I think we get the best insight, but just looking inside ourselves and knowing the things that feel really hard, the arguments we get in with our spouses or you know, something that feels unmanageable today. I think for all of us, we'd say 100% of those things are at least in part related to trying to exist in a global health crisis and financial crisis. So I do think it's helpful to think, yeah, I don't know exactly what, but probably some percentage of this sibling rivalry issue or my child being so rude is about the, the kind of the crisis they're living through. And what I mean by most generous interpretation is I often try to encourage parents to, even after the fact, say, what is the most generous interpretation of my son's behavior in that moment? What is my most generous, if I was going to be my most generous about my daughter and this thing she said, what would, what would my interpretation be of why she said that thing to me? It's really like forced empathy. And I also find that that idea Honestly, like 99% of the time, the most generous interpretation is also the truthful interpretation. So I think that's important right now to assume. I guess my most generous interpretation would be, yeah, she had a hard day, but her whole world changed. She's not seeing her friends. She's not having her routine. She's dealing with the uncertainty. She is watching two parents who are kind of stressed and trying to recalibrate things in their own home. Yeah, probably part of the reason she spoke to me in, you know, with such obnoxious words, probably that's, you know, that filters in. And when we do that, what happens is, I don't even know if we necessarily have to talk to our kids, though I'm a big fan of talking and explaining, is we just respond with much more softness, right? And then they respond to our softness with more softness. So I think it just kind of sets the tone and that's really important right now. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to keep because it's constant. It's 24 hours a day. You know, we we get breaks usually, even if it's just to leave to go grocery shopping, even doing that now is totally a stressful situation. So we really have zero breaks and it's hard to keep it together all the time. And I don't think we can be expected to keep it together all the time. Um, how much are we, how much can we show them about, you know, is it okay to cry in front of them? Is it okay to lose it and then say, you know what, I'm stressed also, you know, what, how should we be dealing with our own anxiety in front of them? Right. I mean, so I think the first thing you said should be said again, which is just that this is an impossible time. It's an impossible time to be a kid. It's an impossible time to be an adult. It's an impossible time to be a parent. So what do we do when we have to get through the impossible? I mean, my first answer is like, I don't know, you, you just do it and you do the best you can knowing that these are impossible times. So in impossible times, yeah, you're going to freak out. You're going to cry. I don't even think it's a choice. It's just inevitability. And I encourage all parents who are listening to just set their expectations like that in the morning. I'm going to break down in front of my kid. It's not should I or should I? I'm going to. I'm going to yell. I'm going to cry. And then it becomes like, what do I do after? Right. So that's happening for me. I think like we all just need to say that's going to happen. 
So to me, what it brings up for after is, can I go back to my child and help my child understand? And I always think about this phrase, have a story for what happened. What's the most damaging and scary for kids is not having a story given to them from the adults around them to help understand the things that they notice. It's never the things that they notice or the things that change on their own. It's actually being alone and then confused and feeling crazy about those things because no one said that. So you can see your mom cry in the corner and it's not a traumatic impact on your life if she comes to you after and said, hey, I know you saw me crying. I like this phrase a lot. You were right, you were right to perceive that. I was upset. It's like validating their reality. Here's what's going on. There's a lot of changes. I know we've been talking about them. And there are some points of the day, even for me, where those feelings and where those changes feel too big. And you saw my feelings come out. And even when I'm feeling like that, I'm safe and I can take care of you. Uh, but I just wanted to let you know that that's what was happening for me. And then I picked up and I'm, you know, moving along and we're going to get dinner ready. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, something kind of similar. I, I've been going through every few days or so, just just the idea of being around them all day, every day, even if it's something that's triggers, triggering me, that wasn't bad. They weren't bad. They weren't, they didn't act out. Nothing bad happened. But I just, I heard one, two, like they sneezed and I was like, okay, I got to get out of here. You know, <laughs> like it's enough. Yeah. And I'll say to them, listen, I... Like, I don't want to freak out. So I'm just, I just need some time. Like I'm going to go watch a show and they get it. They know. And they like, they understand because I'm trying to communicate with them a little bit. Like Mm -hmm. I need some chill time. I need some me time. I'll be back and things will be great again. (laughs) But yeah, it's harder when our our kids are old enough to interpret that, but it's harder when you have two, three, four year olds. Yeah, sure. Oh gosh. I I feel so much for those parents. I mean, I feel for all of us, but um, (laughs) So is this going to be, is this ultimately the seeing us in this state, um, you know, the, the lack of playdates, the lack of time with their friends, the lack of school, forget academically for all the other reasons. Um, is this going to be a long-term trauma for them? Like, are, I mean, first of all, of course, it all depends. Are we going to get out of this in a month? Are we going to get out of this in six months? You know, I know the timing of it depends, but you know, we think about, I always talk about like we interviewed my dad um, for the podcast and he grew up with a dad who grew up during the depression. So my dad has had major money issues, you know, his whole mm-hmm. life about spending and he's been just a, a, a wreck about money from it and everything. And he always says it's from seeing his dad who grew up not, you know, starving and this and that. And um, yeah, it's so it's, I think to myself, are, how, how is this going to impact our kids and what they saw us go through and what they went through? I mean, like, are they going to be Lysoling everything for the rest of their lives? Yeah. Are we? Are they <laughs> going to be like right. Lysol? Yeah. Right. Right. Case and, and, paper in the garage for the yeah, rest of their lives. Yeah, that's going to be the new not eating everything yeah. on your plate right. that our grandparents got angry at us about. Yeah. I. I mean, obviously, I feel like we don't I, like. I don't. We don't exactly know, but. First of all, kids are remarkably resilient just in general. I mean, hum- like adults are too, but kids are very, very resilient in terms of their adaptation. Um, and I guess the way I think about it is there's obviously going to be a range of impacts, right? This is going to impact all of us in some way. Um, but I think what I think what you're also asking is within that range, like how do we get on the better end of wherever that range is um, that's not going to be defined by us? And I think what gets us on the better end 
is trying as much as we can to be there for our kids and whatever their experience was. So obviously I don't know what it was like to grow up with a, I don't, I don't know what it was like to grow up with someone in the Great Depression, but what I'm guessing would have been helpful even as all that was happening were a lot of kind of connections and talks with your kids. Like, hey, you're seeing dad do this. Hey, you're seeing dad cry in the corner. Or hey, you, you know, you saw me, uh, you know, on the phone really upset with my friend, right? When we talk to our kids about what they're noticing and just allow that thing to be, but just explain it and give it a story, that means that we're helping our kids be on that kind of better end of that range. It really is when children are alone and then they become confused. And then the experiences they notice, essentially, if you think about it, like they don't have a file to go into. It's like, oh, it's just kind of messy what I'm noticing and I don't know what to do with it because an adult in my life didn't help me put it in a filing system. That's almost a model for trauma. It's just messy and essentially then it just lives in your body feeling confused. But when you help kids put words and understanding to things, you are helping them turn stress into resilience because they're learning, I can make sense in, in any situation. When I can make sense of things, I start to feel a little more confident and certain. So I think that's the goal. I know what I'm trying with my kids when I'm encouraging parents to say, turn kind of, are they going to be messed up from this? Like, we don't know to how can I make them as least messed up as possible? <laughs> no, definitely. Um, what about when they start asking those questions that we can't even answer ourselves? Yeah. How long is this going to last? I mean, that is really the, especially for kids, and this is something else I want to talk about, but especially for kids who are looking forward to graduations and proms yeah. and, you know, sleepaway camp or summer experiences and going to college in the fall, like all mm -hmm. of these things and disappointments. And we can't even tell them whether or not it's going to be over in time for any of it. Yeah. And so, you know, I think, I think you're pointing to the essence of what's hard for all of us right now is the uncertainty, right? Humans do much better knowing bad news than knowing uncertain news, right? Because then we can mobilize. It's un Uncertainty is literally the hardest thing to sit with. It's why the psychology of this virus is, is feels so impossible. So what I really believe is I feel like we have this opportunity with kids through just being honest and loving to help them get into a better relationship with uncertainty, right? Because people who are doing psychologically relatively well now are people who weren't under as much of an illusion of certainty than the, re as the rest of us. So I think, you know, you always want to answer kids' questions directly and honestly. And I think that kids' questions are always a sign of what they're ready to hear. So when kids say like, am I going to go to camp? Right? I think I would take a deep breath. A lot of the, it's about the delivery more than even the words. But just like, oh, you know, I want to be honest with you. We're, we're not sure. And I would tell kids, I'd say, and you know what's kind of interesting? not knowing is actually harder than knowing bad news. So my telling you the truth is that, which we don't know, I get why that's so hard for you. And it's hard for adults. And I don't know, sweetie, we're just going to have to, we're going to have to sit with that together. You'll be the first person I tell if I hear any news, but for now we're just kind of in that not knowing stage. And that's really hard. Yeah, the disappointment aspect of it is huge. I mean, we have a yes. kid, you know, our, our kid, our boy turns 12 next week. 
And it's like, yeah, is that the list? Is it a travesty? No, we have our health. Thank God. And, you know, all these things that you can relate it to. But for an 11 year old kid who wanted to have a birthday party and, you know, is used to singers, friends, like it's hard. It's really yeah. hard. Um, really hard. Yeah, I think yeah. that's probably been the hardest thing that he's dealt with so far with this. Because from the beginning, from our first day home, it was like, my birthday is in, you know, four weeks. And what are we going to do? What do we do about that? Like, that was the thing he was concentrating mm -hmm. on. So, I mean, look, for a kid, that's a big deal. You know, as an adult thinking yeah. about a birthday party, okay, whatever. But yeah. when they're going through this, you know, you have to think about how they're feeling about these things. Yeah, I think it's that, that lets me think about kind of like this image or metaphor. I think about a lot with parents and kids, but definitely right now which is, you know, we often feel like, I think as parents that we need to like change our kids' experience or like, I don't want them to be just, what about the disappointment or what about the loss or the sadness, right? And those are just three emotions in the spectrum of human emotions. And what we really want for kids, again, even what makes kids resilient, kids resilient is being able to manage any single emotion that comes their way when they're an adult, right? Which are gonna be disappointment, loss, <laughs> surprise, uncertainty, right? These things are just a preview of what's to come also. And an image that I always think about is when a kid kind of presents with a certain emotion that like what we want to do as a parent is just sit next to them. They're kind of saying, I'm on, um, I'm in a, I'm in a park. There's a million benches. I'm sitting on the bench of disappointment and just to watch our urge. That's like, no, come to the bench of look on the bright side or come to the bench of it's going to be okay. Or come to the bench of you'll see in five years, it's not a big deal. Those are different benches than your kids are sitting on. And I, I like the image because it's beyond what you say. You just kind of know as a parent, like, okay, if I say this, am I sitting on that bench or am I like trying to pull them off? And I think there, how you sit on that bench is, yeah, that is super disappointing. That is super, super disappointing. Mm -hmm. And you're allowed to be as disappointed as you want because you're right, Adam, for a kid, that's a massive disappointment. And we don't need to, kids don't kind of get perspective you know, by being lectured, they, they grow and they figure things out. But in his life, that's a huge deal. And I'm urging parents to say a lot of like, yeah, I'll sit with you in that. And when you do that, what's crazy is that kids get off the bench before you do. They just eventually feel supported. They feel normal. And then they do, they walk and they get, they maybe get to a look on the bright side bench themselves, which as you guys know, having kids who are in that tween teenage, you can't, it's never successful to try to get a kid there before they're, before they're there themselves. Right. Yeah. And it's something we just can't control. And uh, there is a little bit of the, you know, they see all their friends going through it too. Thank goodness. It's not um, just them and they feel like they're singled out. It is like a, the whole world. Um, yeah. yeah I, we got a lot of questions from um, our audience speaking of tweens and teens. Um, and I guess this can go for, for younger kids too, um, about how much, what are, what are we supposed to be arguing about or what are we supposed to just be letting go? I mean, are we supposed to be arguing about our kids, you know, that they should be getting up before 11 AM and they should be going to bed before 1 AM or is, can we let that go? Should we be arguing about making sure they're eating healthy foods? Like what, there's a thousand things throughout the day because we're seeing every single detail of their day that we could mm -hmm. be harping on them about. And it's exhausting for us and it's exhausting for them. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. 
add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com So, look, absolutely. I think that's happening all over. I'm hearing a lot about that, too. Um, you know, I we have, like, connection capital with our kids, right? Like, and if you build it up, they're more, you can spend it a little bit. They're, they're more likely to do stuff for you. They're like more likely to listen, right? And when you're in a constant power struggle with your kids and constant argument, you're just diminishing. You get down to like zero or negative capital. And then every single thing, like asking someone to pick a pipe or towel off the floor, you know, becomes a fight. And yeah, that's a good sign that we, we need to recalibrate in, in coronavirus and, and at any times. So I think with kids, what's really important is just to start with having a respectful meeting. Like right now, kids, even young kids, need to really be involved in this like recalibration of family life. Um, I'm a big fan of the strategy of like using a notebook and actually taking notes and writing down things that your kids kind of, you know, generate as ideas with you. It just feels for kids like they're really being respected. So I think something like, hey, let's talk, right? Like, I don't know, if it was me, I'd probably be like, you know, things have been a disaster recently. <laughs> like, we both know it. We both want it to be better, right? Again, be generous. We both want it to be better. I have some ideas. I really thought about the things that are really important to me in this. I'm guessing you've thought or you know the things that are really important to you. Let's sit down and take some notes. You have ideas. I have ideas. Let's figure out a system for wake up, for school, for how much you're on the phone. I'm going to be flexible. I have a feeling if we have this meeting, you'll be flexible too. Let, let's figure this out together, right? So if I like step out of that role play, that is so important to do with kids if you're in a bad stage because they need to feel like they are kind of co-creators of this new life. And I think when you do that, that idea of connection capital, you really build up a lot of it. And a couple days later, or when you really keep doing that or approaching your kids in that way, you're not thinking anymore, do I let this go or do I not? Um, you're just hopefully not having as many fires, which is always the goal. <laughs> Yeah, my sister's been making, she, she, her kids are a little bit older, but she's been making a schedule and emailing it to everyone in the family in the morning, even though they're mm -hmm. all in the same house, just with a structure of, okay, you are expected to be doing these things at these times and the rest of the day is yours. Like, but you are expected to be at breakfast at 9 a.m. You are expected to be, and it's working for them. Is that going to work for every family? Definitely not. I also know I have a friend who has made a rule at her house. She said it was getting out of control. The kitchen after 8 p.m. is closed closed like mm -hmm. that does, you know if you want a snack you have to either ask for it or you know wait for the morning like it's just it was just getting to be too much like certain rules that we can all put in place depending on what is going on in our own households mm -hmm. um, you know because it, it is it's 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 like a free-for-all it's like anarchy sometimes yeah and I think that like let's say no eating after eight or this is what I expect from you I think right the more the more, you know, we ask anybody, even a kid to do something that we want them to do, right? We have to kind of on the other side, have lots of times that we're listening to them, that they really feel understood and connected, right? So if, if yours is a family where you're like, yeah, we're generally getting along and like everyone feels respected and heard, then those rules are going to play out fine. And if you're a family where those kind of more stringent rules 
songs after every single moment feeling like a power struggle, I, I, I can't imagine this going well, right? So I think it comes back to really the cardinal rule in any relationship, connect, connect, connect. When people feel understood and respected, they want to do things for you. They're happy to do things for you, right? I'm sure you guys know that in your marriage too. Like you'll do each other a favor if you're coming off a night of feeling like connected to each other. And if you're not, and someone asks you to do something, at least for me, I'm like, you know, I might find, I, I won't do it, right? So it's really the same thing with kids. How about for parents who are noticing, um, like, obviously in this time, parents who are noticing that their kids who were not anxious kids before are suddenly yeah. becoming anxious, um, yeah. showing signs of anxiety because this is a scary time, um, you know, so maybe stuff is surfacing that wasn't before. Yes. So right, anxiety is a signal in our body. It's part of our threat system. It's, it's designed to help us. It's like an evolution, right? So it's a way of our body saying things have changed, right? Because way back when, it would make sense to notice changes in your environment to think about an impending attack, right? So anxiety is actually a totally adaptive response now. So I would say to parents, number one, it's normal for your kids to be anxious. It's actually, there's something about it that is saying, okay, my, my kid's body's working, right? Like, if you're feeling as good today as you did two months ago, uh, your threat system is is off, right? So now we want to normalize that first. Um, and I think as a parent, you only know if this is really getting in the way of your kids functioning, right? That's always kind of our way as like psychologists of figuring out if something is adaptive or a problem. Is it keeping someone in bed? Is someone who used to want to talk to their friends, you know, have no interest, is totally apathetic, right? So um, or is, is your kid just is much more visibly anxious and you notice that coming out by them being rude to you or by being super controlling or maybe by not being so nice to their younger brother? Um, I, you know, I think about three steps that I think are super, super helpful in taming anxiety. And especially if you have a kid who you haven't had to deal with this before, I think these are three like easy steps to start with. Um, which are three words, and I'm happy to go through each, which is number one, acknowledge, number two, validate, number three, permit. And just there's simple words around that, which is just saying to your kids, being like, uh, you know, look, I'm, I'm noticing you're feeling a little more keyed up lately, right? Acknowledging it is just naming it, right? The phrase like name it to tame it. When we name something, our body starts to start the regulation process and we can help our kids. So, you know, look, I, I notice you've, you know, like here's the generous interpretation too. I feel like you've been a little rude and things have been hard. And in part, I feel like that might be related to you just feeling a little nervous about, you know, life right now. The validation part is key next, which is really, really helpful. Our body loves hearing the phrase make sense, right? So being able to say, make sense, you're feeling a little more keyed up. Your whole world has changed. Make sense, you're feeling a little, you know, anxious about your friendships. You haven't seen them. And the permission step is huge too. It's personally the one I find the hardest time embracing, which is just you're allowed to be anxious. Again, it makes sense that you're anxious. It's okay if you're anxious and you can keep talking to me about feeling that way. And I won't tell you, you shouldn't feel that way. And again, I'll just kind of sit with you. It's almost paradoxical, but the more we show anxiety, we're not afraid of it. We can talk about it and we can tell it a story of why it makes sense. It totally starts to simmer down. It's when we send our anxiety, the message that it's bad or should be something else that we actually add a ton of energy to it. And it makes it cycle that much more rapidly in our body. 
I think if we're honest with our kids too about our own anxiety, I mean, first of all, my they're also in this kind of situation, like, you know, they're seeing me take my anxiety medication at night and I'm, I'm not hiding it from them. I say it's for my anxiety or talking to them about times that we were anxious in our life. You know, I've definitely told them about, they know stories from me from when I had really bad anxiety and everything that it makes them more comfortable to talk about it. And maybe so maybe even parents who haven't spoken about their own anxiety before now is maybe the time to even just throw out some stories about it when you were younger or even now, because then if you open up that conversation and they could say, oh, oh, they have it, they're fe- they have it too. It's, it's, it's not, you know, now maybe I can talk about it. A hundred percent. I think that's so normalizing, right? The truth is everybody has anxiety. Anxiety is really, it's discomfort. Everyone's been uncomfortable, you know, in different ways throughout their life. So going even back to that bench metaphor, which kids need to feel like their parents are sitting next to them to trust them. We all would rather sit next to someone who we feel like has kind of been through what we've been through. So I think that's, I think that's a great strategy. Um, I'm trying to get to the questions that the listeners, I meant that it might yeah. add because I know that they just added. Can I their, ask one? Yeah. I've, I've just been quiet. So I'd like to read one. Oh, you want to read one? I thought you had one that you want. Let's hear your voice. Yeah, I just, you know, want to be part of this. I like listening and sitting back and listening, but. Yeah, sure. Only so much. Do you want to pick one? Sure. I will pick (laughs) this one. Okay. How do you manage, how do you manage the guilt over not interacting with them because you need to. Work from home. Work from home. Work from home. Thank you for clarifying. (laughs) Yeah. Um, that's, that's such a, it's, I know that's, it's so tough when we're home, but we're not home. It's like so hard on kids. It's hard on us. So, uh, you know, similar to what both of you are saying, I feel like there's just a lot of value in owning it directly to your kids, you know, not to put it on them, but just to say, I know, I know I'm home a lot and I know you've always wanted me to spend more time with you. And here we are home together and I'm working in the other room. Like that must be so hard on you. I get that. I would get if you feel mad about that. And and I'll be honest, I feel bad. Like I so wish I could be out of this room more and I'm not really sure how to solve that, but I just feel like I wanted to let you know that that's happening for me and it's okay if, you know, you have feelings about that too. Just like totally, I would just own that, right? And, you know, just like anxiety, we can't make our feelings go away. So if you or someone who's like, I feel so guilty. And I hope, you know, in this podcast, I'm going to hear how not to feel guilty. It's just, it's never a successful strategy to try not to feel something, right? The, the more we get into a better relationship with our feelings, we just learn to tolerate them better. So I think, you know, it, it doesn't sound as almost sexy, but like, I think the goal is, let's, how do I tolerate my guilt? <laughs> not how do I get rid of it? Right. Right. And, and on top of that, the guilt of then you're, you're, the kid is homeschooling and you're not able to help with the, can't help with the work anyway, because I don't know what the hell that's going on, but they, you know, you, you can't help, um, homeschooling Yes, that I know you got a lot of questions about. You had a whole IGTV thing on your Instagram. Talk to us about the, um, the failure of parenting that we are all feeling as homeschoolers. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is like, I, you know, I'm going to try not to go down a rabbit hole in this because I can right. talk about this forever. Exactly. Um, and I, so everything I'm going to say about this, I really believe about parents' roles in kids' academic lives outside of homeschooling. So I think this is super applicable. It's just super intense right now. Parents cannot be teachers. Like, and I'm not speaking of people who homeschool your kids regularly. They're used to a different dynamic. But if your kids aren't used to that, 
our attachment with our kids is just too loaded. So when we look over their problem solving, when we have a suggestion, when we tell them to do something, or when we even correct something, it just means something so much more intense than it does with the teacher because they're looking to us for such approval, no matter who the kid is, they need approval, they want our love, they need our attachment. And so it's just so intense. And so it doesn't work to take a traditional academic teacher role with your kids. And, and here we are. So beyond saying this doesn't work, I really believe I have a much better model that works and that is way more important in your kid's life anyway than fin helping them kind of get math problems, right? So you know, one of the things I think about a lot with my kids and families I work with is we want to help kids get better about the process of doing work. We are not trying to teach them math, for example, but if I can help my kids stay with a math problem that's hard for him for 30 extra seconds, I, I'm gonna get so much more bang for my buck in that moment. And my kid is able to take that with them throughout their life, forget algebra. But our job that we can take on now as a parent is this idea of like resilience coach. That's what my IGTV video is about, um, really explaining what that means. Like we can help our kids build the resilience in this time, which will make them more capable and more prepared to go back to school whenever they go back to school than if we even did successfully take on the job of an academic teacher. And I can pause or I can tell you more concretely yeah, what that, yeah, I what that means. Explain the whole resilience, yeah, because that- Great. Are you talking about so and then being able to work for longer or? Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. So the idea of resilience really is, right, resilience is our ability to struggle well, essentially, right? Like when I have anything that I struggle with, what is my relationship with that struggle? And a resilient relationship would be saying, I can stick with something. I can learn from mistakes. I can tolerate not knowing. I can stay with something even when I'm not sure I have the right answer. And I think any parent listening, I hope is like, yeah, that really matters. Like when my kid is older, that's going to really, really matter. And that even matters in my life. And this is where parents can have a successful role. So let's let's say you're overlooking your kid's work and they're doing some math problem and you look and you know it's getting hard. Your kid's like, I can't do it. That's what I hear. I can't do it, right? And someone in a traditional teacher model will be like, you have to do it. Come on, you know this. You know how to do this multiplication, right? Now you're just in a power struggle with your kid. Now you're not connected with your kid. You're just gonna, it's like, I just heard millions of stories. You think I'm stupid, get out of my room, right? In an academic teacher model, that's a barrier. In a resilience coach model, really, you would think this is everything, right? And it starts with put down the pen. Once your kid gets to a point where they're struggling and you see it in their bodies and in their tone, I really mean this, the question that they were working on does not matter anymore. What you're interacting with is something so much more important, which is what happens in their body when they have something hard. And that's exactly where you wanna be as a parent. And you can do a bunch of strategies, but one of the ones I really explicated, because I think it's great and so powerful, is to start introducing your kid to the idea 
that the, the voice in him that says, I can't do it is just a part of him. Right. And I literally make this concrete kids think kids need to have things concrete. And I would say even before work starts, right. Do you know that there's a part of you, let's say that's perfect boy, or I can't do it boy, or this is going to take too long boy, whatever, whatever you think the words are that speaks to your kid's unique struggle. And that person basically only says one thing, says it's going to take too long. It's going to take too long. It's going to take too long. I'm not doing it anymore. It's going to take too long. Like I would make it silly and make it a song. And what you want to say to your kid is here's the thing. I have that voice in me too. And I've always, and one of the things I learned is first, I just need to recognize when I even say to myself, there's, that's going to take too long, boy. Oh, that even helps. Right. And just like we were saying earlier in the podcast, we don't want to get rid of that voice. We can't. But as soon as we recognize it, like an emotion or a voice, it doesn't take over us anymore. And that's where resilience is built. When we say this struggle is happening, but it didn't just take over and define me. And then going into schoolwork in the day, this is what I've been doing with my older one. I'll say, let's look out for, I can't do a boy today. That's going to be my job with you. I'm not going to tell you to do your work. I just want you to be like, hey, mom, found him. He came up, right? Or even you could play around with it. Like, how long will it take? How many minutes, right? You can even celebrate, oh, it only took, it took five minutes. It was, you know, two minutes yesterday. Then I think another kind of tweak is to introduce to your kid the idea that they also have a different voice who's just quieter. And that voice says, I can do hard things. That is the resilient voice that we all need to pause and through practice, through pausing, just allow to become louder, meaning that muscle gets stronger. And that's exactly what I encourage parents to do in a, in a moment, like to even use that language. Wow, I think that was, I can't do it, boy. Let's take a deep breath. I know this is so hard. Don't worry about the problem, right? I think there's also that voice that says I can do it. And look, it's tricky. You have both voices happening. So let's just take this slowly, right? And that's a model of building resilience in terms of I can now have a better model, even language for dealing with hard times rather than my parent just trying to get me to the other side, which isn't going to be useful in the long run anyway, and is going to be really, really detrimental to the family dynamic. Mm-hmm. I like that. And I think that whole thing can be used also just for quarantine as a whole. And it's hard. And, you know, when we feel like yes. we do it and here we are, we've, we've survived another week, we've survived another, you know, another month. So I think in a bigger picture, that's a really good lesson for us and for the kids also is just like having that I can do it voice be louder. Voice. Yeah. And I like the idea of reminding kids and ourselves. I know I say this to myself too. Like I have worry about the future girl. And then I have another voice that's often quiet, but is saying one day at a time. Right. And just as soon as we're able to label multiple voices in us, the voice that wants to take over can't as much because it's just an aspect of our experience. Versus I think we all know when we're in a bad place, even as adults, it's like whatever voices in us has taken over our bodies. And I know for me, I just think this is this kind of amazing opportunity to wire kids in this more resilient way um, in all these interactions around kind of watching them do their schoolwork. Mm-hmm. One other thing I wanted to ask about, yeah. it's hard right now for me, um, you know, I'm not a disciplined person on a regular day. So in quarantine, I am like, it's a shit show. But I also feel like 
at this time, and I, I say this a lot on the podcast and on our Instagram account and everything, I also feel like we need to have a lot of forgiveness in our, to, of ourselves and make things easier for us. So there's a fine line there because that means screen time for the kids. That means, you know, letting them eat cookies for breakfast. That means, um, you know, not worrying about certain things that on a daily basis and a regular day when they're at school all day and we've had a break, I'm capable of mentally worrying about. So where, where does that balance lie and, you know, how forgiving should we be of ourselves for that and how much, how yeah. forgiving can we be of ourselves? Because I, I want to be, obviously, if it goes on another six months, I can't let them have cookies for breakfast every day. But I, I, I also want people to realize that this doesn't, this time period does not define our overall parenting, that there is a moment to realize that if you have made your kid feel loved and safe throughout the day, then you've kind of, you've, you've done it. Like you, you want. I mean, I don't think I have that anything that much profound to say. I think you just said it all. Yeah. And like, I think that is the goal for our kids to feel loved and safe and like maybe even to have some fun. Right. I think that's really critical. We need to inject fun into our kids' lives right now. They're being deprived of it all over the place and kids are supposed to laugh and they grow when they do that. So I think this is absolutely a time. I'd almost say there's like a prescription, forget forgiveness. There's like a prescription for chocolate chip pancakes and cookies in the morning and, you know, whatever it is that you think will just allow a little lightness. Um, and going back to that question of how will this impact our kids, right? You know, I said this in, in, in this post I, you know, wrote many weeks ago that what kids are going to remember the most from this time is how their family homes felt during coronavirus. They will remember how their family homes felt more than anything about the virus itself. And if their family homes felt like, wow, remember those months that we had cookies for breakfast and like we shaving cream fought each other and mom let us watch like a lot of TV, um, that's protective for them. So I don't even think we need to talk about forgiveness. I think it's protective. So I think that everyone should be inspired by what you're saying and do a little more of that. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that they can't during that time that they might also look back and say, remember that time when mom cried a lot and, or dad, you know, I don't know. What did you do? (laughs) (laughs) Daddy ran away or daddy. Dad took a lot of, uh, took a lot of TV breaks, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) He was in the bathroom a really long time. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think that that's okay too. Like to, you know, I look back on my childhood and there were definitely times when I'm like, oh yeah, that was the, you know, mom was sleeping a lot phase of, well, that was kind of, yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) but, but you know, I I think that's okay too. But yeah, I like, I, I needed to ask about the whole, maybe from a selfish standpoint also that sometimes I'm like, am I just being lazy? And so that's why I'm saying it should be forgiveness. Or is this really, like you said, is it, I mean, it's survival mode too. So I think it um, partly is being lazy. No one asked you. (laughs) but It's true. (laughs) We're all lazy at moments during this and that's okay. We need to have like, but but a lot of lazy makes you more lethargic and the more lethargic, the less motivation you have. So it kind of is this snowball. Like, so you got to, you have to be careful of that, but you kind of need it too a little bit with this. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, but I think, right, I think like related to laziness is just um, like we're not as uptight, right? That's like maybe a nicer version of being lazy. And like, yeah, I just don't think however long from now we're going to look back and be like, I am so glad, I don't know, I served my kids, you know, 
their normal breakfast every day for that period. Like, I don't think anyone's saying that. Right. So I think you're, I think you're onto something. Right. It's true. Um, Yeah. I think they'll look back whenever it is and say, Oh my God, remember all the cards that we played together. Remember the casino we set up? (laughs) up Oh, that's where my gambling addiction started. We set up blackjack. (laughs) We're all playing, you know, well, it's, it's math time so that's what it, that's why we're doing <laughs> uh, you do all the counting for right. them. um yeah and and i like that um i don't know I, I like the thought of them feeling like during that time period also it wasn't it wasn't a constant fight about every single thing because honestly I, you know the, and and there's when they've been gone all day as a stay-at-home mom or um when they've slept at a friend's house and we've had a little break from them or, or however that goes, you have the energy that when they come home to like be, you know, a little bit more assertive about things. But right now there's just, you're, I feel depleted all the time. You know, yeah, we're resting more than ever and we feel more depleted than ever. Um, yeah. Anything else you want to ask? No, the only other, only other thing, I don't know if it's, even necessary, but what do you think about um, what's it? What's it called? What's the word? Shoot, I forgot what I, I was. It was a while ago that I was thinking about it. Um, like on a schedule, do the kids need to be on a schedule routine? every day? A routine. That's the word I was looking for. Thank you. Do you think routine is important during this? Mm. So I, I, you know, I think the first thing I want to say is for parents, like everyone has to figure out what works for them. Cause I feel like there's a lot of almost like non-routine shaming and that's like the last thing, you know, parents need. But I do think that what we all really miss right now is having some sense of certainty, a sense of the world is supposed to work this way. And then it does work this way. That That's what we all just lost. And it feels so awful. And I think a little way for kids to get that back is a routine that says like kind of I'm supposed to start my schoolwork here and then I do and then mom says we're gonna have snack at this time and then we do and by the end of the day I looked at that schedule and I say wow we're supposed to do x and y then z and we did x and y then z right like that actually feels really safe Mm. um so my general thoughts are yeah I think a schedule is super helpful I don't think a rigid schedule is helpful and I love the idea of including kids and creating that schedule going back to that idea of like let's respect everyone who's going to be participating Having said that, if you're a family that's like the idea of a schedule stresses me out to no end, then no, right? Only you know your family. Thank you so much. This was so helpful. And I'm sure as this goes on, we're going to come up with a ton more questions. So hopefully you'll come back and we can a whole load new questions. Although hopefully this will be over before then and we won't need to do that. Um, But thank you so much and, you know, um, stay safe and well and safe. You too. All right. Thank you so much. Good to talk to you guys. Yeah, this is great. Bye. Bye. Bye.